Back here on the second guest show, Mike to tell you along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Ebert, live from the Silver Slipper Casino, beachside right here in Hancock County, Mississippi. We're going to go back to our Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. We have on with us the Vice President of Super Sports, Eric Eager. Eric, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Eric, I know we're going to talk kind of a wide variety of things and also bring up the combine, but I want to ask you about Chris Jones. Uh, that's a guy that when he wants to, and he takes that knob and sort of moves it, man, there's none better in this league uh, than Chris. Now, the big question mark is when he wants to, I think is the question. What do you think will happen with Chris and the Chiefs and what type contract, if he gets out on the open market, you think Chris Jones could get? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know Jones has proven himself to be uh, the premier interior defensive lineman in the NFL, not named Darren Donald. Uh, you know, the, in the open market, that's you know this whole off season that was kind of what the they and the Chiefs are waiting on. You saw the Quinn and Williams get twenty four million, Jeffrey Simmons get twenty three and a half. You know, Donald right now is almost at 32. I think Jones wanted closer to 32 than he wanted near Williams, Simmons, you know, guys like Deron Payne, Dexter Lawrence. Uh, the Chiefs held the line. Uh, he sat out the first game. He played the rest of the season. He did get, you know, double-digit sacks again, but he wasn't the dominant player he was in 2022. Uh, I do think he reaches the open market because the Chiefs have a Louisiana Tech uh, you know, uh, star in uh, Legereus Sneed, who's a corner, uh, who is a, a playmaker for them, who's also going to hit free agency, who's going to be on his second contract. Jones will be on his third. Uh, I think that they prefer Sneed uh, to Jones, which means Jones is going to hit the free agency market. And I think he's going to get, you know, a pretty big deal from whoever uh, approaches him in free agency. Now, uh, I know we're all looking in the crystal ball, uh, but in theory, now we've got to wait and see. I'm already, you know, we're always all jumping ahead, but if the Chiefs were able to capture, uh, you know, when you think about it, a three-peat, and but the, they won their third title in five years, and I would say that that's a dynasty when you're considering uh, the, the time span and where they're at. So I would say the 21st century... You look what the Patriots, Tom Brady did, and then kind of you have a transition. But where uh, Kansas City and the Chiefs and Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, what they've done, uh, third title, uh, you know, in, in five years. So if they were able to 3 be considering that we always like, from a historical standpoint, uh, what has never been accomplished. Well, they've had a lot of great teams that have won back-to-back but not no 3 peat you know, that, that's kind of NBA talk. But if the Chiefs were able to do that, what, what Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, considering Pat Mahomes wouldn't even be 30 years of age yet, would he be like 28, 29? He's 28 uh, now. I mean, that, yeah. that, 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 that would be an unbelievable accomplishment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the last team to even come close to three-peating, uh, you know, you, you had such big battles, Bobby, with in the you know, NFC West back in the day, the Niners of the 88, 89 and then in 1990, they were knocked off in the, um, in the NFC Championship game at home by Jeff Hostetler and the, and the Giants with Bill Belichick as the D.C. That's really the last time it's gotten that close. Um, you know, I think the big thing, of course, is you have to have that kind of quarterback. You have to have that kind of head coach. Now, the Niners, interestingly, back then, they went from Bill Walsh, who won the 88 Super Bowl, 
to George Seifert, who won the 89 Super Bowl, and the night it was the coach during the 90 season. Uh, this is uh, an Andy Reid bunch. Uh, the big thing that's going to be huge for them is they carry over a lot. Right? Steve Spagnuolo was a Hall of Famer yesterday. His effort against one of the best offenses in football, especially in the second half of that game, uh, speak, speaks volumes about the kind of value he brings to the Chiefs. He's going to be back. It's amazing to me that no one wanted him to be a head coach, even for an interview uh, this year. Uh, so that's going to be big. You know, Brett Beach, the GM of the Chiefs, he's drafted eight of the Chiefs starters on defense the last three years, including six in 2022. That was the draft that they got five picks for trading Tyreek Hill. That's what makes this Chiefs team so phenomenal is the fact that they're kind of in the middle of a rebuilding phase by trading Hill, switching from a more offensive-centric team to a more defensive-centric team. And during that entire rebuild session, has been able to get to the window twice with two Super Bowl rings. That's what makes this three-peat possibility, I think, the most likely in NFL history. Uh, if you look at the odds for next year, they're co-favorites basically right now with the Niners to win the Super Bowl in the current betting market. So I wouldn't bet against them. Uh, it's always a long shot uh, for any team to win the Super Bowl. But the Chiefs, I think, have a pretty, pretty darn good chance. Now, Eric, I don't know if you have an explanation for this. Uh, I've talked to Mike Dettelier, different uh, compadres about this. Uh, I don't know if I've ever witnessed this. Uh, Steve Spagno, I'll look at Spags. I mean, uh, because, you know, uh, you get top offensive defensive coordinators, they're interviewing for head coaching jobs, and people are like, oh, well, what about Spags? And, you know, it could be kind of like whatever you've done for me lately. He's a hot commodity, but uh, way back he was a head coach, I think, with the Rams, he went 1-15. and 15. And then, this is mind-boggling. I don't know if you have an explanation for this, Eric, or not. But all I know is, he coached in the Bounty Gate year. He coached the worst Saints, uh, or the worst NFL defense in NFL history <laughs> in 2012. But then he has the likes. As a defensive coordinator, he wins, um, what, four Super Bowls with two different teams. I mean, explain that. You want to talk about a roller coaster. I don't know if I've ever witnessed that. They talk about penthouse, outhouse, penthouse. What Spags has done for the Chiefs has been unbelievable. So it's not like he's always been in a subway trend because uh, Sean Payton, when he was out for Bounty Gate 2012, he fired him after one year because they set the most negative records in NFL history. So I think maybe players do make a difference is on defense. Crazy thing is, Steve was the head coach with the Rams. Yeah, they, well, they were one at fifteen, right? They weren't very they were good. 11, yeah, yeah. Eleven and eleven and forty-one was his record as a head coach. The two twenty, two twenty, or sorry, two twelve winning percentage as a head coach of the Rams. You're absolutely right. I mean, this, this he has you know four Super Bowl rings is the most that a coordinator has ever won, Bobby, and that's because. Right, and most of the time, when you're good enough to win Super Bowl rings as a coordinator, they make you a head coach, and you don't get the opportunity to win more more rings as a coordinator. Spags is somehow, you know, now he came to Kansas City with all of that baggage you described. He had the one, you know, brilliant performance against the Patriots in '07 uh, to to stop the perfect season. He's had other good performances. The '16 Giants were quite good defensively because of him. But you're right about the Bounty Gate. That Saints defense was one of the was the worst in football, uh, and he struggled as their DC. Now he came over, and this is another Louisiana kid. They brought in Tyron Matthew in 2019, uh, along with Spags. Uh, that turned the entire thing around for them, uh, and they won the 2019 Super Bowl a year after the 2018 defense 
was so bad under Bob Sutton uh, that they had to fire him even after they made the AFC Championship game. You know, he's been a huge catalyst here. They've gotten a lot out of that defense. 2019 was the biggest turnaround. But then they were a pretty poor defense in 2021. And, you know, they, they missed the Super Bowl. They lost to the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. And, again, this is the biggest feat has been for a franchise like Andy Reid, who does not prefer rookies, does not prefer young players. Uh, not only has Steve Spagnolo done really well with a bunch of rookie defensive backs. Last year in the AFC Championship game against the Bengals, when LeJarrius Snead got hurt, he played the whole game against Boyd, against Chase and Higgins, with three rookie corners in the AFC Championship game, won that game. Andy Reid has taken a, a page out of Spags' book. Rasheed Rice, the wide receiver out of SMU, had the most receiving yards of any rookie in Andy Reid's head coaching career, uh, eclipsing Deshaun Jackson. So this has been a, a Spags, the, the renaissance for him that has changed his tone as well because he's always preferred veteran players. This Chiefs team, after the Tyreek Hill trade, gave him nothing but young players and, and Chris Jones, and he turned that into the second-ranked defense in the NFL this year by points allowed. Eric, one of the things we always sort of look into the rearview mirror, and if you're in the NFC, if you San Francisco, and I took a quick glance, I see the Packers and the Lions right there. And so what do you think in this offseason both teams would have to do to get themselves in a position uh, to eclipse the 49ers? Because, you know, when I look at it, the 49ers aren't paying anybody at quarterback. And so they can afford to kind of spend money different ways. With the Lions and the Packers, the way they're structured, how close are those two teams to San Francisco? Yeah, the, the, the hard part, though, is the Niners are $3 million over the cap coming into next year, whereas when you look at the Lions, they're $46 million under. The Packers are right around $3 million over as well. So even though the Niners have a great roster, they can't really improve it all that much this offseason. The Packers are in similar straits as the Lions as far as they can't really, because of the dead money with Devontae Adams, the dead money with, with Rodgers and things like that, they can't really improve it. They did their best with Jeff Hafley, the former uh, Boston College head coach, uh, to bring in over a defensive coordinator. They've been way too soft defensively for way too long. They brought him in because they, they were sick of getting gashed in the run game. They were sick of playing too far off in coverage and giving up games defend, you know, defensively. I think you combine that with Jordan Love, that'll give them a pretty good shot. Jordan Love looks like one of the next great quarterbacks in the league. The Lions really do need to use the resource they have to build out a defense. You know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, a former Saint, uh, has done good things for them. But in the secondary back there, he's kind of by himself as far as a difference maker. Aiden Hutchinson, you know, Michigan, uh, number two overall pick of a couple years ago. He's kind of a one-man crew on the defensive line whenever Ali McNeil's hurt. Uh, and at linebacker, I know they spent a first-round pick on Jack Campbell, but they, they struggled there. So they need to go and use that money to build a defense. Their offense is great. We're a top 10 unit the last two years. Ben Johnson's coming back. He doesn't want a head coaching job. But I think the Lions, you know, the Packers you didn't have money, so they used an uncapped amount to go get Jeff Halfley to be the defensive coordinator. The Lions have a good defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn, but they need to, they need to give Aaron Glenn some talent so that he can, he can help that defense get a stop when they need one because they could not get a stop in the NFC Championship game against the 49ers in the second half of that game. Now, uh, Eric, uh, looking at the postseason, obviously the Super Bowl, um, 
I don't know if you've gotten any of this, but a number of fans, uh, they're so confused with the damn rules. You know, you got the regular season, what it t- happens in overtime, and then the postseason, what happens in overtime. And then some people are saying, like, oh, why did I use it in their timeouts? They got three seconds left, and I'm trying to tell them, no, the game will continue. And then as far as strategy, where uh, if you win the coin toss, uh, would you have deferred or take the 49ers approach of the Chiefs defense is kind of worn down, and I guess maybe going that direction, or do you defer, which I'm maybe a favor of because you know what you have to do. I mean, you're not punting. I mean, uh, you know, they scored a field goal or a touchdown. You got four downs to make 10 yards. So, so, so what do you think about the NFL having to do a better job explaining to the fans? I know they tried to do it on the telecast with Tony Romo and all, but there was a lot of fans that were confused what was going on in, in, in the extra time and, uh, and obviously uh, wanting to know what was up and with the time and everything. Or would you want one rule to stay the same? Because we all know uh, the Chiefs players might have been on top of this. But here you got all pro players, the 49ers, that they weren't even aware of the overtime rules. Yeah, I think the NFL tries their best. And, um, but yeah, officiating in the NFL this year has been a big deal. I think the NFL isn't clear sometimes. Um, but the Niners, you know, Shanahan has been, that's a reputation of his, that he's a terrific in-game play caller. He's a terrific play designer. But when it comes to game management, when it comes to using his timeouts, uh, all of those kind of things, he kind of falls a little short. Um, as far as strategy, it really, it, it's not as simple as, you know, you always defer. But I would say in this situation where if you've watched Kansas City all year, their offense has really struggled. But most of the time, their struggles are, are self-inflicted. Penalties, turnovers, drop passes, uh, not being aggressive enough. The last thing you want to give Patrick Mahomes is a definitive goal, <laughs> right? So if, if you kick the ball to them after deferring, they're kind of like, well, we could score a touchdown. We could kick a field goal. We might be able to even trust our defense. If you take the ball, score just a field goal or even a touchdown, you tell the best player on the planet, you need this exactly to, to win the Super Bowl. And we've all, you know, all of us have employees and stuff like that. It's like the best thing that you can do sometimes for some of them is say, you need to achieve this one goal and I'll give you a bonus, right? And I, think, I feel like the 49ers did that with Patrick Mahomes last night. And that final drive, there was just a determination that, you know, as somebody who watches that team a lot, they just simply didn't have all year. And I fear that the choice to take the ball in overtime by the Niners uh, kind of woke up a bear in the Chiefs offense that had been dormant for much of the season. Eric, one of the things uh, leading up to the combine, that's always a player or two you really like, and you think he's going to be top 10 or 12, and then he goes to the combine and it's like, whoa, everybody's put their eyes on him now. And he's not just a top 10 or 10, 12, top 12. He's a top two or three player. I think that that guy's Jaden Daniels. If I had the second pick in the draft, because I think we all kind of agree, Caleb Williams is going to go one in the draft. I think it's Jaden because I don't want to compare him to Anthony Richardson. I think he's a better passer than Anthony Richardson was at Florida. There ain't no doubt about that. Now, athlete Anthony Richardson is on Mount Everest as far as athletes concerned uh, of what he can do. I think Jaden Daniels is a guy 
that, you know, some people have him going sixth or seventh. He's never going to go that far. He's either going to go two or three. I think he's got a legit chance to be the second overall pick in the draft once Caleb Williams gets selected. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I've always thought that, you know, Drake May, and I, I actually really like Drake May as well, um, is, the fa- is the favorite to go second. But if you look at, for example, and I don't know uh, which betting market you guys prefer, but if you look at FanDuel right now, uh, the number two overall pick, Drake May, is the favorite at minus 155. Jaden Daniels is second favorite at plus 170. That means, you know, that's nothing in the NFL draft market right now. There's one rumor that goes out of a team liking Daniels more than May, and those odds will flip in a moment's time, as you guys know, following this stuff. So you're right. I think that he could have said um, Daniels was phenomenal last year. The one thing that he improved on, which you know we've seen with Sam Howell in Washington, we've seen with um, you know Baker May, we've seen with other guys who have struggled. Jaden Daniels on pressure dropbacks in 2022 took a sack 30% of the time, which is incredibly high. And last year it was just 20% of the time, which is still pretty high, but not nearly as high. And that's something that if you're a running quarterback, if you're a guy that's, you know, going to sit in the, you're going to be a passer in the NFL, you have to be able to avoid sacks. And, you know, Daniels did a much better job this past year. He's an incredible throw of the football, as you said. The one question I have, and this kind of reminds me of a, a quarterback back from Bobby's day, does, you know, the Anthony Richardson has that size. Daniels is thin. And, you know, with thin quarterbacks, yeah, I think we're, you know, he's obviously nowhere close to the athlete that Daniels was. But I always remember Jim McMahon and how, how good he was at winning football games, but he could never stay on the field for all 16 games because he was just so thin. And so I think for Daniels, a big thing at the Combine is going to be over the past month and a half is he's been able to yoke up a little bit and get to that 220, 225 range where and keep his speed. Because when I watch him play, he checks every box to me except for – if an NFL linebacker hits him in the ribs, is he going to miss any time? One thing with him, having been around him for two years, he is as thin-based a guy at quarterback as you'll ever see. But you talk about one tough son. No, he is tough. Man, he took some shots, and we've seen it on a football field. A defensive back thinks he's got an angle on him. He outruns yep. the angle. No, he's that, like, that's how fast he, he is. He looks like track fast. He, he's one step fast. Yeah, and that, that's true. Yeah, and Jimmy Mack was also very tough, but, it's a, you know, he took a lot of hits. It's just like at some point in the league, and now, you, as you guys know, offensive line play in the NFL is nowhere close to as good as it was 10, 15 years ago. That's why these teams are kind of gravitating. You know, you know the teams are, prefer – a lot of teams like Stroud last year instead of Young because of size, and I think that – Size is really now now Daniels is six four, which which really helps. Um, but but you got to be a little. You, you know, I think he's going to have to put on some weight before the combine. If he does, Mike, I think your point about him rising up the draft boards is going to be incredibly apt. Now, uh, Eric, uh, what is your take? Uh, and I was telling, you know, I'm watching my wife, and um, you know, telling Saints fans, I said, watch the 49ers game. And those same plays that you're seeing with Shanahan, you can see that with Clint Kubiak. Now, the difference I told them, I said, now they might not be as successful as the 49ers because you can have an unbelievable scheme, but the players matter. And, you know, you try to compare, okay, can Alvin Kamara, uh, you know, uh, 
then beat a running back that you need with uh, McCaffrey. Or you, you try to. The, the Saints don't have a Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk combination or no, kill that tight end. But, but, they don't but, have that. But they, uh, I'd say kill They might try and sell Taysom Hill on um, uh, Mike as uh, the Debo. And my, they might try and sell. But I'm saying you can do the same shifts, same motions, but you still got to have the horses. Yeah. The, the scheme's all fine and dandy. So uh, that's one thing I think the Saints just got to get better. Personnel-wise. Personnel, even though they, uh, they want to run this uh, Shanahan uh, scheme here with the Saints. Yeah, and Kubiak had an opportunity as the, as the offensive coordinator with the Vikings in 2021. They were kind of a, a middle-of-the-pack offense with a Kirk yeah. Cousins at quarterback. You know, very similar to Derek Carr as far as ability, as far as consistency. Um, you know, I, I think that Rashid Shahid, who I know is an uh, exclusive rights guy, uh, you know, I think you do. You have the receivers there. Uh, tight end. There's also some depth. You know, need to get better on the offensive line now that Ramchek is a little bit banged up and and guys like that. But uh, I think he can be a successful offensive coordinator for this team. And uh, to me, it's all about it's all about what we saw in in Vegas. You know, uh, John Gruden very much asked Derek Carr, stretched Derek Carr, said Derek Carr, you're throwing down the field. You have a better arm than than you are willing to 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 work with. And when he did that, that Raiders offense was very effective. And I think Kubiak, you know, when he was in Minnesota, now they had Justin Jefferson, so that does change the, the calculus. But um, he's got to go downfield. I think if he's aggressive with the play-action game, he comes from his dad, uh, 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 you know, the, the, the elder Kubiak, um, very play-action-centric, very uh, you know, bootleg-centric, and very quarterback-friendly. And we saw that with Purdy. We've seen that in Minnesota with Cousins. Uh, and I think that that's good for Derek Carr. I think at times Derek Carr, when people see his contract, they expect him to be a top 10 quarterback when he's really a top 15 quarterback. And you need an offensive coordinator that's willing to accentuate the strengths of Derek Carr. Uh, and, and I think Kubiak can do that. And it's just going to amount to, can they find offensive linemen in the draft and free agency to help really fortify that system from the run game all the way to the play action game? Uh, and to the deep shots, where I think he, that's where he's better suited, Derek, Derek Carr, to take deep shots downfield with a very underrated arm. Eric, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Great stuff. Always appreciate your time, bud. Thanks, Eric. Hey, thanks for having me. All righty. That was Eric Eager, Vice President of Sumer Sports.